Hi, this is Paul Butler. I'm the Senior Pastor of New Heart Baptist Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. We hope that this podcast will be a great blessing to you and encourage your life. Uh, so this week, um, I've known for a while that I'll be speaking on uh, Easter Sunday, and so I've been preparing all the stuff. I knew exactly what I wanted to say. I sat down on Monday, I wrote it out, and I was like, yeah, this is, this is pretty good. I felt good about it. Um, but I went to sleep that night. <laughs> and God said it. <laughs> I heard Jesus say to me, um, you've got to repent and follow me because that's not the message that I want to share to my children on Sunday. And I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's kind of cool. I forgot, I forgot about it, I think. Um, but I was here on um, Tuesday helping to set up for the Passover. And let's just give a round of applause to the people who like organized the Passover because it was awesome. And uh, I'm here, and something I do, um, I've like done it since I was in school. Um, I actually don't really like public speaking too much. And so what I do is like you just get up in front of the wherever, and you try to imagine everyone, and it kind of takes the edge off a little bit, I guess. Uh, and so I'm up here on stage, and I felt in my heart, my heart just felt like really full, and I felt a little taste of the love that God has for each and every single one of you. It was just so immense, I couldn't describe it. And I heard Jesus say to me, this is the word that I want you to share on Sunday. That I have come that you guys could have life. And Jesus desperately wants to give you new life. And he's asking you, do you want that new life? So that's my first, well, that's the whole overarching message for today is that Jesus has come that you may have life. And he wants to give you this new life. Um, this is... The hope of our Easter message. Our message of hope is that death has been defeated by Jesus. Death in all its forms, death, fear, sin, shame, all of it has been defeated by Jesus. And he is now the true king of the world. Just as we sang in that song before, all hail King Jesus, all hail the Lord of heaven of earth. All, all, all honor and glory and power to Jesus. It's just, man, it's just when you think about it more and more, when you meditate, when you think about it, it's just, I just can't describe it. He's the king of the whole world. And he wants to give us new life. And I hope that really sinks in today as we, as we speak. Um, my three points, I'll be reading from 1 Corinthians 15. It's an awesome passage. If you uh, find yourself stuck on a deserted island, and the terms of being stuck on this deserted island are you can only take one Bible passage, I recommend 1 Corinthians 15 because it's pretty long. So you've got lots to think about. And, um, but it's also got some really, really incredible truths that in your isolation you will come to... I don't know, you, maybe you'll be able to understand it by the end of that time. But here's the three points that I've got for you today. Um, that Jesus is the first resurrection, the first fruits, and then we've got the final resurrection, and then we've got millions of resurrections in between. So let's start with the first one, the first resurrection, King Jesus. Let's read 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, I'm going to jump to different passages just because these are like the really choice ones that I think are really awesome. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Paul has spent 20 verses up to this point saying he definitely did. I promise you he rose from the dead and because he rose from the dead we know that we will also rise from the dead. Um, but in fact Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of the great harvest of all who have died. He is the first fruits as other translations say. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. After the end after that, the end will come when we will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. For Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies 
beneath his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Paul's written a little song. Yes, Chris, I think that's the correct response to something like this. It's amazing. This is the song that Paul has written. He's written this little ditty that's pretty much taunting death, saying, Jesus beat you. You no longer have any power. Um, And it says earlier in 1 Corinthians that in Ephesus, he was um, thrown to the lions. And so imagine Paul going up to the lions and being like, you have no power over me, lions, because I know that I'm coming back because of what Jesus did. He knows that death has no power anymore. Um, Imagine Jesus on the cross and you've got all the people mocking him, the soldiers, the priests, all the people who thought that he was going to be the chosen king. uh, And they're all mocking him. And I imagine all the demons as well are mocking him, saying, we're going to kill the son of God and you can't stop us. We beat you. But then when Jesus rises again on the third day, he's actually saying, I beat you. And that's what it says in Colossians, that Jesus has like paraded death through the town saying, look who I've defeated. I've defeated death itself. Um, So King Jesus is the victor over death. This is like our great hope that Jesus has defeated death and all of its friends, fear, sin, shame, all of them he's defeated. Uh, And so when Jesus rose from the dead, he proved that he had power over the grave. The grave could not hold him. And Jesus' resurrection is the first day of new creation. It's really cool the way that John 20 describes Jesus' resurrection. Um, It starts, in the morning, Mary Magdalene went down. And then towards the end, it says, then in the evening, um, Jesus like appeared to the disciples. And what he's deliberately doing is evoking Genesis 1 and saying, this is actually the first day of the new creation. There was morning, there was evening. This is day one of the rest of history where God has now come to live with people and death no longer has the final say. Um, And the last point, when he ascends into the clouds at the end of the Gospel of Mark and the Gospel of Luke, they're not trying to say Jesus like teleported to another dimension or something like that. What they're saying is they're evoking Daniel 7 where there's a scene where one like the Son of Man comes to the Ancient of Days and he is given all power and authority and dominion. That's what they're trying to say. They're actually trying to say that when he goes up into the clouds, they're trying to say that Jesus is the king of the world and he's going to reign and eventually he's going to come back and defeat death for good. That's what he's trying to say. So that leads us straight to our next point, Jesus the first fruits, but then later on the final resurrection, which is Jesus' bride. As I said before, the way that Paul saw Jesus' resurrection, he said, Jesus rose again, therefore I know that I will as well. That's Paul's hope. So let's end. The way he describes it is so beautiful. So I'm going to read a couple of sections in full. But 1 Corinthians 15, starting at 35. But someone may ask, how will the dead be raised? What kind of body will they have? What a foolish question. I don't know. I think that is a pretty good question, actually. (laughs) Um, When you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. And what you put into the ground is not the plant that will grow but only a bare seed of wheat or whatever you're planting. Then God gives it the new body he wants it to have. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they'll be raised as spiritual bodies. I bolded that because I think it sounds really nice, but I actually think there's something hidden there in the Greek, which is even more powerful, which we'll get to later. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Earthly people are like the earthly man, and heavenly people are like the heavenly man. 
Just as we are now like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. And mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. There's some awesome passages in there. And there's even more. Like I said, when you're stuck on that deserted island, read 1 Corinthians 15. Because there is some awesome, awesome stuff in there. Um, But the way that he describes it is our ultimate future. At the moment, we are like a seed. But our ultimate future is this great tree that springs up from this seed. Did you know that a seed is actually... Actually, I don't actually know. I've been told that a seed is dead. It's not living. It may as well just be like a little rock. But once it goes into the ground, it then turns into something that's unimaginably better, incomparable compared to the seed that it started off as. And that's the metaphor that Paul uses to describe what our lives in the future will be like. When Jesus comes back, he's going to turn us all into great trees and we can't even imagine what our life is going to be like on the other side of that. And I think that is such an incredible, I just can't wrap my head around that. He also describes the way that um, the sun has a different glory compared to the moon or the stars or any creature on earth. The same way that the sun is different to our bodies now, that's the difference that's going to be in this new future. Anyone here ever read Narnia? Yeah, a couple people. I talk about it a lot. (laughs) I don't think a sermon goes by that. I don't quote C.S. Lewis in some way. But um, in the end of Narnia, sorry, spoilers, but it's been out for a long time. So you had had, had your chance. Um, At the end, (laughs) sorry, (laughs) the world ends, Narnia ends, and there is a new Narnia. And Aslan is there, uh, which is the symbolism for Jesus. And he says that every single day keeps getting better than the day that was before, that their life in Narnia, even though it was so awesome, was only just the title page and the contents page for this great story that goes on and on and on forever, where every page and every chapter is better than the one before. And I think that's a good analogy for what our lives are going to be like once Jesus comes back and raises us all from the dead and we all stand up out of the grave. That's the perfect analogy for it, is that we can't even imagine how great that future is going to be. The same way a seed can't imagine what a tree is like. Or the same way that, you know, an ant can't imagine what it's like to be the sun. Same kind of thing. Um, Whatever points have I gone there that I've forgotten? Um, The way that I want to describe everyone rising from the dead is also spoilers. Anyone seen Avengers, the most recent one, when they're all like coming through the portals? That one didn't land as well. Anyway, so through the portals, they all come back and you see all like God's people coming back and you're walking around, you're like, oh, King David, nice. Martin Luther and Martin Luther King all together, that kind of thing. I thought that would be the really cool part. But actually, it was described on Thursday night that when Jesus comes back and he's come back for his bride and he's fully saved them, there's no longer his death holding on to them. That's the moment that you're actually longing for. When Jesus is reunited with his bride, the people that he died for, and now he can finally give them the new life where death is no longer part of the picture. Death has been abolished. Fear has been abolished. Sin has been abolished. And it's just that love that remains. I think that's the thing that makes it incomparably better that us as seeds can't even imagine at the moment. Um, So let's go to the next one. Millions of resurrections in between. 
Uh, so this is the question, like, what does Jesus' death 2,000 years ago and his return whenever in the future mean for us today? And I just want to go back to what I felt the word for you guys was for today, that I have come that you might have life, not sometime in the future, but right now. God wants to give you that new life right now as like an anticipation for that ultimate future, which you can't even really comprehend yet. Um, so we're going to go back to that verse, verse 44. And this is the way it's translated. I was using the NLT. They're buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. And as I said, it's really, really cool. It sounds really nice. But there's something hidden there in the Greek, which I would love to just pull out a little bit. They're buried as psychikos. Can all of you guys say psychikos? Psychikos. So what's like that word that you kind of is familiar in there? Like psych? Like what's some other words we use psych for? Soul? Yeah, soul. Or like psychiatrist. It's like to do with like the brain. Uh, soul is the word. So they're buried as soul bodies and they'll be raised as noimatikos. Can we say that together? Noimatikos or pneumatikos. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so what that refers to is, anyone know what's noima? Yeah, breath, spirit, absolutely. Um, so what we've got here is we've got this uh, dichotomy, this difference between psychikos, which isn't referring to what the body is made of, it's referring to what is animating the body. So it's self-powered, soul-powered, like your own personality-powered, but they'll be raised as noimatikos, spirit of God-powered. That's the change that Paul is making there. At the moment, I think we could say that like all of us in different ways, in different parts of our lives, are just running off our own steam. We're psychikos, psycho maybe. And we're self-powered. We're just doing things off our own energy, off our own steam. But one day we will be spirit of God powered, where God is the thing that's animating us. Um, and that can happen doesn't have to happen in that distant future. It can happen right now, today. Um, and um, Bianca said something really awesome. She prayed for me before, and she said, I just see, like, the Spirit of God just, like, hovering over and bringing new life. And that's exactly what I wanted to talk about today. This is an image, and I think it's a good artist representation of Genesis 1. We've got the chaotic waters covering the surface of the deep, but the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And what you see in Genesis 1 is the Spirit of God hovering over these waters which represent chaos and danger and evil, and then God brings out new life. And so he breathes on something, and out comes mountains or trees or plants or animals or people. And that's the creative power which the Spirit has, and the Spirit is still going around today, breathing on people and drawing out new life when there previously wasn't any life there. That's what it means to be Spirit of God power, to have the Spirit come onto you and give you new life. So we've got a couple points. So it's the power for new life now. The Holy Spirit has been given as a deposit in anticipation for that ultimate future. So we've got the ultimate future all the way out there somewhere. But right now, in this moment, you can anticipate what God is going to be do doing all the way down there that you can't even really imagine yet. He's going to give it to you now, a taste of that new life, which I think is what the point of spiritual gifts is, right? Like prophecy is important because you can see what that future is going to be. And healing is important because you can anticipate what your body is going to be like. It's restoring it back to that future. And tongues is great because you can speak to anyone on earth the same way that it's going to be 
over there and the dead can be raised and demons can be cast out. It's anticipation for the new creation that's coming. And the Holy Spirit is going throughout the world making new creations. And he's breathing on people and he's making life where they used to be self-powered and making them into people who are Spirit of God powered. And Jesus is giving us new life now through the power of the Spirit. So just as I heard um, Jesus say to me, I want to give you guys new life now. Do you want it? Do you guys want that new life where the Spirit of God comes on you and no longer are you just powered by yourself, but you're actually powered by something even greater and a joy that's coming that you can't even really imagine yet? So, yeah, that's my question. Do you want it now? Let me tell you a story um, to to bring it home. Uh, But in this story, I'm 20 years old, so it's a couple years ago. No, like uh, about, about <laughs> yeah, yeah, Michelle and I are the same age. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, in the story, I'm 20 years old. And I think, yeah, the best way to describe myself would be I was psychikos. I was just running off my own energy and my own steam and my own power. Um, Brad, the other day on Good Friday, called this generation the most hopeless generation ever. Or like the one without hope, right? (laughs) Not hopeless. (laughs) And I took that personally. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, Brad. Yeah, he said without hope, without hope. Um, God is listening, yes. Uh, St. Kilda has a bit of hope, I heard, though, (laughs) which is kind of nice. I was, yeah, in 20, uh, this year when I was 20, Richmond wasn't very good. So there is hope, you know. and, yeah, I, I would say that I probably didn't have a lot of hope. I was doing, like, lots of stuff. I was at uni, and I just felt really tired all the time because I felt like I had to prove myself in some way. And I was just running off my own steam trying to prove myself, and it was wearing me out. And to be honest, I didn't have a girlfriend, and I really wanted a girlfriend. I felt really, really, really lonely. And it just felt like there was no one would ever really like me or even love me. <laughs> and... That hurt a lot, and so I felt really isolated. And I felt, I was probably, um, and still am, a bit socially awkward sometimes, and I just feel like I just kept saying stuff and putting my own foot in my mouth. <laughs> and that caused me a lot of shame because I felt like I couldn't really interact with other people. And so I felt on the outside, I felt isolated, and I felt like I was trying to prove myself, but I just couldn't do it. Um, yeah, I was running off my own steam. And I started to doubt God and if he was real and if he was good um, and I was starting to just yeah just get really really tired I think is the best way I could describe myself I was wearing myself out and I went to a youth conference over at City Point and it was objectively like really good um, there was lots of kids there they're raising their hands people are being healed uh, they're singing they're praising Jesus lifting him up um, and I'm just looking at them, I'm like, man, all those sheep, they have no idea. <laughs> so just hype or whatever. I don't know, I was a bit cynical at that time. And, <laughs> and God is so good. Um, in this moment, just looking at everyone, judging them, my hands. Over them. <laughs> uh, as Brad said before, in, in like those grave clothes, I'm just like holding back. I'm like, I don't want any of this new life. And I had this incredible vision in my head. Uh, and I saw this big desert as far as the eye could see. And right in the middle of the desert, I saw myself and I was, I was dead. I was just lying there. I had no life. I felt so tired. It was like I wasn't even alive. 
And Jesus comes over and he picks me up in his arms. And he's just looking down at me and he starts to, starts to cry, these big shining tears. And they fall on my body. And he keeps crying and crying and crying because he's seeing me dead. And he wants to give me new life. And these tears start to fill up the whole desert until it's like knee high or something like that. And Jesus dips my dead body into the water and then raises me back up to life again. And I'm alive and then I look out across the desert and I see that it's now a beautiful garden. And that's the power that God has to bring new life when there wasn't any life before. And I snapped back to the real world <laughs> and something was different. And I knew that I had new life and I wasn't tired anymore. And I knew that my ultimate thing was that I felt isolated and disconnected from people. But in that moment, I knew that God loved me more than I could ever imagine. And that completely changed my life on from that point. And every moment when I feel <laughs> psychicos, I feel tired, I remember that moment. I remember that God has come to give us new life and he desperately wants to give us new life to the point that he gave up his own life so that we could have life. And so I think the question now is, do you want that new life? Because he's standing at the door knocking. He wants to give it to you. He died so that you could have it. And all it takes is you saying, yes, Lord, I need that new life. I need you. So what we're going to do now, this is the end of my <laughs> message. Um, what we're going to do now is I'm just going to get you all to close your eyes. And could I have the band come back up, please? I, I know we didn't organize that, but that would be great to finish with um, that last song that we sang. But Jesus, I just thank you that you have come to give us new life. And I know that all of us in our own lives in different ways are running off our own steam, just trying to live life our way, trying to prove ourselves, trying to make it work for us. But God, I just pray that you would make us into people who are powered by you, that you would breathe new life into us. There wouldn't be something that we create ourselves, but you would give us that new life. So I just want to invite anyone, if you've never asked Jesus for this new life in the first place, if you've never asked him if you, you can be part of his people and you've never accepted him in, I just encourage you right now just to to respond to the call that Jesus is making just in your own heart. I encourage you to let him in. And if you have let Jesus into your heart and you're realizing that a part of you is still psychikos and is not noimatikos, I just encourage you right now just to raise your hand. If you just want some of that new life, that taste of the future now where God is recreating you and making you new now, even if you've accepted Jesus before, maybe there's something going on in your life that is wearing you out maybe it looks like death is still winning in some way and you need that victory of Jesus and that new life now. I just encourage you to raise your hand if you just need that new life in some way. So to those people, 
Let's just all pray together. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you here. We thank you that you have come to give us new life and that you're moving around the world now, bringing life where there was no life before. And I just pray that you would resurrect us, that you would help us to stand up. God, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would change us now and make us more like Jesus. Jesus, just thank you, thank you, thank you so much for what you did. Thank you for defeating death. Thank you that you are our King. Thank you for how much you loved us, that you gave up your life so that we might have life. All this in Jesus' name, amen. Um, yeah, if you're feeling psychicos and you're just running off your own steam and you would love some prayer, um, Brad has promised me that if I say to the CLs to come down the front so that people can receive prayer that they will do it so there will be people down the front to pray for you but I thought it'd just be great just to finish with that last song that we sang which lifts Jesus up and declares him to be the true king of the world and someone who has the power to give us new life now in anticipation of that life that we're going to have in the future so thank you, worship team. Thank you, everyone. And just remember that Jesus has come to give you new life now. And let's, uh, let's lift him up in worship, if you all would like to resurrect yourselves. Thank you.